0: Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. And when you have a question for me, you can go to clark.com ask, post away. Coming up later, I need for you to know something. If you are the parent of a preteen or teen... There's something growing really quickly in social media, and your kids may be signing up for it. you got to know as a parent what they're up to. I'm going to fill you in. So there is a proposed rule that will allow when you buy a home to eliminate the need for having an appraisal done. And instead, a computer algorithm will be used to try to estimate what is fair value for the house, and that will determine whether or not you're approved or denied for a mortgage based on an electronic scan of what it thinks the appraisal would be. I am not happy about this at all, and the way I see this playing is you as a home purchaser facing all the expenses with buying a home are going to be offered potentially an opportunity to waive appraisal. And then you will instead be subject to this electronic system that will estimate what the home you're looking at buying is worth. Now what could be wrong with that? Well, it could go two different ways. One You could be approved for a mortgage on a house that you're overpaying for. Or two, you could be denied for a mortgage because the algorithm was wrong and way uh, messed up the value of your home. It could go either way. That a home could be worth substantially more than the algorithm says it is and you're denied the loan or the other extreme that you're given the green light to buy a home where you're overpaying and you end up upside down in your home. So I'm not excited by it at all. I think there's value to an experienced appraiser who knows the local market, which is a big part of it. A lot of times they don't, who is able to discern fair value. Producer Joel who is a big time real estate mogul himself, (laughs) five rental properties now, Uh, you think that I'm being an alarmist and doing a
1: waiver of appraisals would just save everybody money? Well, I wouldn't call you an alarmist, Uh, but I will say that I do think computer appraisals have a huge potential and that the way appraisals have been traditionally done come with their own set of problems. Um, So when my parents were selling their home a few years back, they had multiple offers above list price. It was a situation where a lot of people wanted that home and they wanted to pay more than my parents were even asking. The appraisal came in at essentially asking price. So what is a home actually worth? Is it worth what the appraiser says it's worth or is it worth what a bunch of people are willing to pay for the fa- the house. And I think that's one problem with you know, traditional appraisals. I think the other problem is oftentimes the appraiser doesn't really know the neighborhood very well that they're going into. They might be coming from a completely different section of a metro area and have no real idea street to street or home to home what a home is actually worth and picking a comp or two right around the corner that sold within the last two months. It might or might not be accurate, um, depending on how well they know the area that they're looking in. I had a, a, an issue recently too with an appraiser where my current house, they decided that because my home was sectioned as uh, a multifamily, that they couldn't value it. And and there's a lot of these in my neighborhood. A lot of homes were originally built as multifamilies and then they've been changed to single family homes. And He essentially cut off a huge square footage portion of my home when he did the valuation. And so I just know that there are a lot of people where I live that have had problems with that, where they've converted their home into a single family and they're being valued as a duplex, even though uh, because the appraiser has to go by the tax records or whatever it is. I, I just know that there could be issues both ways, but there are a lot of issues currently and there's a high cost involved. To get those, even with all those issues involved, appraisals cost anywhere from $300-something dollars to to $800. So they're very expensive considering how inaccurate they are.
0: Well, my concern is simple. I just want you to know that this is percolating, that out of nowhere, this is going to become a practice where you'll be offered the opportunity to waive appraisal and instead have one of these electronic algorithms work, computerized algorithms work. And I don't recommend it to you. I think the money for a professional appraisal when you were buying and qualifying for a mortgage, I think is a protection, a layer of protection for you. And I recommend it. And Kim wants to weigh in on this as well.
2: This is really not my field of expertise, but listening to you guys talk about it, the question keeps coming to my head. If I was to waive the appraisal, and let a computer do it if it came back and in my opinion it was way off could i then go ahead and get a human to appraise it
0: nobody nobody's saying how that's going to work yet gotcha so this is a proposed rule and this is something that has some time before it will become common but people don't buy houses all the time and so i just want you to know that this is a question you may be asked and i look at it as a danger more than an opportunity michael is with us on the clark howard show hi michael well hi how are you clark great thank you michael you've got a scam warning for people is that right
3: i do i think it's a potential uh, uh scam uh and uh, i don't uh, uh I, I they tried to talk me into this and i and i got a bad feeling about it so i thought i'd Wanted to let you uh, weigh in on it yourself.
0: All right, let's see if it's passing the scammer meter.
3: <laughs> okay, uh, a company that uh, contacted me said that they're affiliated with they, and I'm not going to say the name of them, but an, an international company. So it's a it's a, a, a brand awareness. Uh, so that kind of gave me some comfort. So I, they said they wanted to rent space on my vehicle for advertising. They said the the, uh, email said that they wanted to have a small area uh, on my vehicle for advertising. And then, of course, I'm to drive it around uh, and uh, uh, so people can see um, the the advertising.
4: Um,
3: That's that sounded all well and good. So I gave them my information it's about all there was to it then the next email that I get says congratulations you've been accepted uh, to uh, um, uh, bear our advertising and, for, and you'll get your fee um, for I think it was 500 a month uh,
0: we don't need to go any further the cow manure <laughs> is piling high already <laughs> okay. When the they, what they're talking about is something that was very common twenty years ago, and it was called vehicle wrapping. There were about a dozen different competitors that were offering vehicle wrapping, where they would use this film-like stuff. That if you live in an urban area and you see city buses, they'll be wrapped in the film. A lot of um, mm-hmm. delivery trucks will be wrapped in the film. And they can see out the windows, but you can't see in them usually because the advertising covers the windows. And this business imploded 20 years ago. Uh, really, I should say not 20, like in 2000, 2001, that it even though the technology existed, people couldn't make it work as a business paying um, just who knows who to drive around with their advertising on it. Today... All the people doing it tend to be, as I mentioned, commercial vehicles or for specific companies. Mm-hmm. And the only company we have found that has been a successor to those of a generation ago that has gotten some traction is a company called Rapify, W-R-A-P-I-F-Y, but they're not paying right. anywhere near the kind of money you're talking about.
3: Yeah, that was my kind of my first clue. That seemed like a pretty good amount of money.
0: Also, um, are these people asking you for any money up front? No, not yet. No.
3: Let's leave no, it not but yet. They, uh, but they are saying that I they're going to send me a check for my first month's rent. And the installer fee, and that's what kicked my my, my uh, scammer meter.
0: Now I got yeah. it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. I need to give you a special award. Okay. The number of times okay. in one phone call that I get to hit two alerts, I sometimes go a whole year. ...without hitting two alerts in a phone call. And you've already made that happen. <laughs>
3: oh, oh, no.
0: <laughs> so let me tell you how the scam works. Because now you gave me all the clues that tie it all together, okay? The, the whole thing about the check they send you, and it's for your first $500 plus money for the um, installer, and they give you instructions where to wire the money for the installer... The check they send you is a counterfeit. You deposit in your account. Unfortunately, it won't bounce back for as much as six weeks. And you end up wiring your real money to the con artist. And you're out that. And there is no $500 for you. So this whole thing is bogus. You were right. You smelled a rat. It is a rat. And good for you that you didn't fall for their pitch. Plus, at the same time, you know what else you did, Michael? What's that? You warned other people about this con, and they're going to stay away from it.
3: That that was a new twist. I I had seen a similar con before. Uh, In fact, someone I know got involved in it and ended up getting in big trouble for quite a bunch of money that ended up being... uh, Counterfeit.
0: well fortunately none of that bad stuff is going to happen to you good job have no more contact with the people don't accuse them of being a fraudster just say you know you're not really interested in it um have a great day don't get into an argument with them about why they're hoodlums or anything just let it go marlene is with us here on the clark howard show hi marlene hi how are you I'm good. How are you? (laughs) Good, Marlene. How can I be of service to you today?
2: Well, I have a Roth, but I didn't open it up until right before I retired, so it's not very much money. So I have two of them. I have one in a credit union with $3,500 and one in a stock for about $5,000. And I was going to combine them. I was wondering what is safe and low risk, and then I heard you saying something about you can put an annuity in a Roth, but I'm like um, almost 70 years old. So Okay, I... so
0: that you would not have heard from me. Oh, That would have been somebody else, because on our show, annuity is a cuss word. Okay. <laughs> um, there is, at 70 years old, there is one kind of annuity you can look at, but you'd really need more money than $8,000 or something... Called a immediate payout annuity that works almost like how social security does you give the insurance company a sum of money and then one month later and every month for the rest of your life they just send you a check but you need uh, more money than what you've got here so this money you've got so you live on social security and that's all you got or no i i i have a pension too oh thank goodness all right, so your pension covers how much of your monthly living cost?
2: It covers like twice as much as my Social Security.
0: And so the pension with Social Security, are you able to get by with those?
2: Yes, yes. Great, I'm so this is,
0: this is your emergency money you've got
2: right. here. Right, right.
0: Okay, and are you each month... With the pension and Social Security, are you able to have extra money each month, or do you just barely get by?
2: No, I have extra money.
0: Well, I think that's great. So, if you've got 3500 in the credit union, and you got 5000 you said, in some kind of stock? Right. I think it's a, a mutual fund kind okay, of thing. Okay, so you have it in a mutual fund. I think it's fine to leave those like they are if they're in Roth IRAs. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh Because that's money that you don't need today. It's for um, an unexpected expense, a rainy day that costs more than what you have each month from the pension and Social Security. And then just keep adding to that savings account Um, Well, you can't... But I...
2: I can't because I'm already
0: retired. Right, you can't because that... you're retired. So the extra money you have each month is it just sitting in a checking account?
2: It's in another savings account.
0: Then that's you're doing everything right,
2: except that there those the the banks lose so much; they're not paying very much interest. I don't.
0: Well, then, then I wouldn't have that savings account at the bank.
2: I mean, at a credit union, it's only paying like, what,
0: 0.2?
2: 0.2? Yeah, the Point credit union. Two? The bank is even less. Yeah, I'm that's sure the bank's gonna...
0: less, but that's terrible. Okay, do you go on the internet? Yes. All right, I want you to go to bankrate.com, B-A-N-K-R-A-T-E.com, and look at savings rates. And open an account with one of the companies that's paying about two and a quarter percent. You can link it to your checking account with uh, at the credit union or the bank, and at least your extra money that you're not spending each month will be earning two point something percent instead of 02 percent, which over time will make a difference in your budget. Thanks for taking time out of your day to join us here on the Clark Howard Show where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas to me so you can save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. I want to talk to you about TikTok and it's something that you likely haven't even faintly heard of. But TikTok is like the fastest growing app out there, well I shouldn't say the fastest growing, it's apparently the fourth most popular app to download right now and it's a big deal with kids even from a very young age. So TikTok is short videos on a social media app. Now we've been there before. There, you know, there have been people like, was it Vine that was the one that was the short videos that failed? But TikTok is taking off with uh, well more than 100 million people on it, and it may be that there's nothing at all messy about what your kids are doing on TikTok, but any social media, well, can be a problem. And so you as a parent, especially with kids that are, uh, that are younger than, let's say, 15, you got to make sure you know what they're up to and you want to know if they have a TikTok account. In addition, you want to make sure that the privacy settings on TikTok are such that who knows who is seeing what they're doing. So with TikTok, everything is public, everything is public, unless you go in and you change the settings for your kids. Anybody impersonating a kid who sees the videos your kids are posting can pretend to be a kid and send them private messages. Now, I don't need to explain more of that. You know the risk with that. The hard part with this stuff is it just changes all the time. So this one is one in particular that I want you to be aware of because it is so fast growing and you want to know how to access your kid's account. They need to share with you their TikTok sign-in information so that you can go on there and be a nosy parent and spy on what's going on because a young kid even though they may be at the stage where they're asserting their independence just because they want to assert some independence doesn't mean their judgment is any good at all and you got to keep them safe. Alan is with us on the Clark Howard show. Hello Alan.
2: Hey Clark how are you?
0: Great thank you Alan. So you just had a child and I'm already telling you to make sure your kid's being careful online and your kid is how old seven months seven months so hopefully yep. they don't have a full online presence yet <laughs> <laughs>
3: no no not yet not yet good good hopefully it'll be a while
0: well congratulations to you on the birth of your baby and how can i be of service Thank
3: you, sir um i was looking uh, i'd like to know about what kind of a savings plan I need to have her for her uh, future college education.
0: So there's only one that makes sense, Mm -hmm. and that is uh, what's known as a 529 account. Yes, sir. 529 account is one that allows you to put aside from very small amounts of money to major amounts of money that (laughs) grows tax-free all through the years, and then if used for what's known as an eligible college expense, or in many states... A certain amount can be used for private school before college. The money all grows and is spent tax-free. Okay. Now, there are good 529 plans, mediocre plans, and rotten, terrible 529 plans. Okay. I recently spent, I don't know how many zillion hours, reading the legal description document of every commission-free 529 plan in the country, and I put up a brand-new guide so you'll know how to pick one, what funds should go in it, uh, and by funds, I mean what choice, and I recommend what's known as the age-based portfolio. So with the uh, as young a baby as you have, uh, it would normally be in the age zero to two band of investing, so it'll be more heavily tilted towards Things that are riskier in the shorter term, but are likely to grow nicely over the next 18 or 19 years.
3: Okay. i um, you one, say something. Go ahead. I, I've heard you say something about uh, using my Roth uh, instead of a 529. I have a Roth uh, 401k. Would it be better to just invest more into that?
0: No. Or just use that Now No, leave the Roth 401k okay. as it is. If okay. you wanted to do anything as an alternative to a 529 account, you can do a regular Roth IRA for you okay. and have that in lieu of putting money in a college plan. The reason you would do that is if in your family culture there's the possibility that a child wouldn't go to college or if your seven-month-old is already clearly so brilliant that scholarshipping <laughs> out looks like it's almost a certainty. Uh-huh. but the advantage of doing a 529 plan potentially over a Roth IRA is uh-huh. that in a lot of states you get a state tax benefit for contributing and the account is on top of that tax free
3: is that something I set up through my through my job that has to fit no from no my no stuff?
0: what you do okay. is you go if you go to my 529 plan guide at clark.com just uh-huh. put in 529 in the search box, ignore okay. the ads that will come up, and okay. then you can click on my guide, and when you open an account, what happens is they'll link it to your checking account, and okay. then if you decide to set up automatic contributions, they'll just take them straight from that.
3: Okay. All right, one more thing. Yes. Uh, about life insurance, is it should I get a term life or a whole life? Which one's
0: better? For you on your life? For,
3: for me, yes,
0: sir. Yes. Um, I strongly recommend what's known as level term insurance. Level Where, term. Level term means the premium will stay the same for the number of years you buy it for, for 10, 15, 20, 30 years. Um, uh-huh. And are you motivated to buy it because you have a newborn? Yes, sir. Or how much is the likelihood that you're going to have more children? Um, 50-50. All right. Then, in that case, maybe consider buying 30-year level term instead of 20. So, tell me, how old are you? I'm 46. All right. At 46, you're probably going to find the premium is a lot more affordable if you buy 20-year level term that will carry you into retirement age. Uh Uh-huh. And the reason you buy term, level term insurance, is it is a tiny fraction of the cost of uh, traditional whole life insurance. Uh And you're getting so much more bang for your buck in the level term. And I've got a bunch of companies now that are listed on my life insurance guide that will issue that policy for you potentially instantly without you having to go through the normal wait of a couple of months with a nurse coming to see you and all okay. that because they're now okay. using these um these new algorithms where based on your medical history they're able to decide instantly whether or not you were a, a safe risk for them or not okay so gosh i got you i got your kids college savings underway i've got your insurance <laughs> underway you're getting yep. all set
3: Thank you so much.
0: All right. Best to you, and hope someday soon you get a good night's sleep again. (laughs) Thank you, Clark. Sure. (laughs) And Steve is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Steve. Hi, Clark. Thanks for having
5: me, and thanks for giving me something to listen to on my very long commute to work.
0: Ooh, how long is your commute? Well, Compared to some,
5: it's not too bad. could be anywhere, depending on traffic, from 45 minutes to over an hour.
0: That qualifies in my book as a long commute, although there are ultra-commuters in a handful of cities that are now commuting as much as two hours each way, each day.
5: Yeah, I live in the Bay Area, so I know some of them. Um, But uh, an hour each way is... Still pretty long, but luckily I've got you to listen to so the time goes by fast.
0: So I got to tell you something funny. My my uh, niece lives in San Francisco itself, and but spends most of her time on the Russian River. Nice. And her dad, my brother, recently went with his wife from Utah to visit them at the Russian River and flew into Oakland Field. And they were so traumatized by the drive that they're not sure when the next time is they're going to do that drive because they landed in the early part of afternoon rush hour. And uh, it was quite an ordeal.
5: Oh, going up to the Russian River from Oakland, I can imagine. They're going with traffic.
0: Well, tell me, you've got some information to share to your with your fellow listener. Tell me about it.
5: So um, I was recently uh, contacted by a scammer. And this was a little unusual, and I actually read a similar ordeal on Nextdoor, so it doesn't sound like it was a one-time thing, but uh, when I got the call, the caller ID said Mexico, and I figured it was a scam, and I answered anyway, and a woman got on the phone and said my name, and I said yes. Yes. And for a second, I thought, well, could this be some kind of tech support? Could this be my bank um, offshoring customer service? But no, sure enough, it was a scam. And she started crying and she started saying, help me, help me. They have me Um, as if she's been kidnapped. And then the abductor, the so-called abductor, got on the phone and started making threats, started threatening to cut off her fingers and started cursing like there was no tomorrow
0: and did the the individual who is supposedly the one being held hostage did they pretend that they were a relative of yours in any way
5: surprisingly no um she never well she didn't uh, speak again and the only thing i said to the so-called abductor was i just asked what's her name and i just kept repeating myself and he didn't have a name And the more I repeated myself, the angrier he got, the more he cursed. So, well, clearly they didn't do their research. Um, And at some point he asked me if I wanted, uh, he asked me to choose a finger to cut off. And I just said,
0: cut them all off. And I hung up. (laughs) Well, you know, (laughs) that sounds cold, callous and cruel on your part. It was the right thing. Because this is just a con game going on. What was different was that almost always now they actually know the names of relatives when they call. And it's a very fast-growing fraud where you receive a call saying a relative by name has been injured in an accident and they need money for their care. They're in jail. They have been kidnapped. I mean, there's every possible angle and version of this, and the only thing in your case that made it less credible was they never told you who they were supposedly holding hostage. And if you get a call like this, be aware and be wary, it's about 100% that it's going to be bogus, just like the one you got, Steve. Gull is with us on the Clark Howard Show, and Gull, you're looking at buying a home with someone else, but they want to leave you out of the picture at first. What's that about?
4: Basically, so I have a house that I live in, right? And this friend of mine, he wants to invest in a house, and he never had a house, so he looked in, into a house in New Jersey. I told him that I want to, uh, you know, find. I, I, I would like to invest in uh, real estate. So he told me if I would like to join with him to buy this house, but the thing is, if I put myself in, in with him as a co-owner, then the interest rate goes up a little bit. I mean, considerably. So if he's only the uh, the one on the 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 mortgage, his uh, interest rate is much lower.
0: So um, so your credit qualification and ratios. Make you uh, kind of a handicap for him in doing this deal with having both of you initially on the loan. Right. Okay. But the intention is that you'll pay half the mortgage and you'll pay half the down payment. So, another
4: thing is uh, if I get in, we have to pay 20% because he knows the person. So, they they only allowed, they accepted him for 10% down payment. Okay. So, he told me that. Uh, you know, after the deal is done, then we can get a lawyer and put my, my name on the title. So I, I, I'm confused as to how I go about this.
0: All right. So what you do is I want you to go see a real estate lawyer in the county where you're planning to potentially be a partner on this property. Mm-hmm. And I want you to sit down with that lawyer up front and say, here's what this friend of mine and I want to do. We want to stay friends, so I want to make sure we do this right. How do we do this legally where I end up with half ownership and I don't have to worry that my friend's going to cut me out of the deal at some point and we're still going to be friends? Right. And so you don't do it after the fact. You don't go see the lawyer after everything's done. And you don't want to go with your friend. Actually, you want to go by yourself, and sit down with a real estate lawyer in that county, and get advice from him or her.
4: Okay, I have a pretty busy schedule. Is there any any other uh, any way I, uh, you can recommend me so I can find a lawyer that can do it uh, over the phone or something like well, that? Well, a
0: lawyer may consult with you over the phone, and and you pay him or her to talk this through with you over the phone but Mm -hmm. I would want you to talk with a real estate agent in the county where the property is located and ask him or her for referral to a real estate lawyer in that county and then you call that lawyer and see if you can consult with them what they would charge you to do a phone consultation or maybe it could be a Skype consultation. It'll be up to the lawyer if they're willing to do it that way but I've had so many things happen in unusual situations like yours, where Mm -hmm. what people said up front isn't how it played out, and there's a lot of hurt feelings, and maybe money that goes down the drain. You're a little nervous about it, you're right to be, and that's why meeting with the lawyer up front to make sure everything is buttoned up right, so that your interests, and also your friend's interests, by the way, are properly protected.